Amanda. Hey, Tom. Hey, I've been practicing my speech for your wedding. You want to hear it? You have? Yeah, ready? <clears throat> marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream, and love, true love, will follow you forever. I mean, it's pretty good, and you seem like a nice guy, but I hate to kill you. Is that a quote from something? It is, Tom. It's a quote from The Princess Bride. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Can We Talk About. Hi, I'm Kyle. Can We Geek About is a new podcast from Gotham West. Each week, JJ and I will delve into the geekier side of pop culture, from our favorites in science fiction and fantasy, to new releases and even maybe rag on some absolute flops. We promise that even if you don't like what we have to say, you'll like how we say it. But anyway, can we geek about? Did you really need me here for this? I just needed a ride. <sighs> can we geek about? So give us a listen, subscribe or follow, wherever you get your podcasts. Ha <laughs> ha, you fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Talk about the Princess Bride. I love the Princess Bride. I will say this is top five favorite movies for me, yeah. hands down. Yeah, absolutely. I, maybe even top three, but I, I, I don't know the list, so I'm being I'm being safe there. Yeah, in my repertoire of movies that you always hear me talk about or things that I love so much, a this is way up there. This is yeah top five at least if I'm like not necessarily like paying attention to what I might be missing here and and B it's the one that looks the least polished because I know I, I have a like especially given the last episode we talked about Monster Squad and me talking about like this movie feels like it's made on like with like flimsy sets in the background and things and like it just doesn't matter because the movie plays up to it but there's so much to love about this movie which we'll get into, but like, there's so much to love about it. This is one of my favorites for like a million reasons. I love the story. You know that I'm a, mm-hmm. a little baby for a fantasy, a romance, sign me up. But this is, I'm starting off with a big fun fact here. Mm-hmm. Andre the Giant was one of my grandfather's very good friends. Really? So this was a movie that was like near and dear to my whole family because it had yeah. Andre in it, who was a good friend of my grandfather's, who... I just called my mom before we did this and she just to conf- confirm the quote and she used to say, my grandfather used to always say that as big as he was, his heart was even bigger. And he yeah. was like the sweetest, kindest man. He was like almost like for as big as he was, yeah. his heart was just that big, you know, like he was a yeah. really sweet, kind soul. So this was very near and dear to my family. Everyone in this movie who like interviews over time who have spoken about Andre have always said the same thing like that. He was just a sweetheart, like, you know, literally like fits the, the, the struck, like the, yeah, the die of what Amanda like 
holds near and dear, which is like (laughs) a big monster looking human who is also just like has the kindest heart um, and is a sweetheart in the inside. And he plays Fezzik so well, like just I don't know. And I saw an interview. um, I read an interview that he did many, many years ago, obviously, where he said that this was his favorite thing he ever did because nobody looked at him like he was the freak, you know, like yeah. every, he felt like an equal. He felt like an actor. He felt like he was taken seriously. He wasn't just the big body that they put in there to just have like he, he had character development. He was a big part of this movie. And that's my fun fact to start it off. Well, to take a step back, because I think it all it connects to the creators of the movie, by the way, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I mean, first and foremost, For those that don't know, Andre the Giant was a wrestler, a French wrestler in the WWF at the time, who was known as the uh, eighth wonder of the world. Like he was Andre the Giant. He was this big giant thing. Didn't he like famously fight? Again, I wasn't into wrestling back in the 80s, but like didn't he like famously fight Hulk Hogan? Like wasn't that a big match? Like the two of them sort of going at it? I I don't remember. Maybe, but I do. They did fight, but. There's like a body slam where Hulk Hogan, like, there's like a big body slam that's iconic between the two of them. Yeah. That wrestling nerds yeah. love. <laughs> they love it. But he, like, he also passed away, right? Like, pretty young. From I mean, heart failure. Yeah. yeah. While he was asleep in his hotel room. Ah, uh, that's, that's rough. Poor baby. Have you seen the, um, oh gosh, we're getting off on a tangent. I know, already. I we know. Just started. The, the Have you seen the, Yes. I haven't. I know about it. I've seen clips from it, but I haven't actually seen the documentary. So in the documentary, it says that he was seven foot four and at his largest, he was 520 pounds and a shoe size of a 58. Where do you get shoes? (laughs) Yeah. For those of you that don't know who Andre the Giant was, he was truly a giant man. And there is a picture that my mom has. Well, I think there's a few, but there's one of my grandfather, him, and then my cousin, He's holding my cousin, who's obviously much older than I am, and he looks like like he's just like in. He's so small. He's so small. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, I he was. I was hoping he'd be in more things. He really wasn't because he didn't really get a chance to do a lot. He got yeah. into films in the eighties, but that was basically it. He he did this. He was an uncredited in Conan the Destroyer, but. Really? Yeah, he wasn't in a lot of movies or TV shows. I feel like he could have been. He was in the music video for The Goonies Are Good Enough. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he would have been a potential sloth if like, we didn't get the. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just to dial it back, because we do like to jump in. But um, so The Princess Bride, yeah. 1987. It came out in September of 1987, directed mm-hmm. by Rob Reiner. Uh, screenplay by William Goldman and just uh, based on a book mm. by the same name. And I have not read it. Neither has Tom. I feel like it would be a good one to read, though, like based on what oh, we absolutely learned. would. Yeah. But really interesting to, you know, sort of important to mention is so Rob Reiner back in the 70s was really just known for what was his character Meatball. Was that was that his yeah. name to call him and all in the family? And then. In the early 80s, he did uh, This is Spinal Tap with, what's his name, from uh, Christopher Guest, of course. I love that movie. Yeah. 11. The volume's at 11. But uh, 
And then he went on to play Jessica Day's father in New Girl. Yes. Probably the most important role of his life, I would say. <laughs> Clearly. But he, he did a bunch of movies, but like it was basically, he you know, he also did Stand By Me. And then this was in 87. So I think this is like yes. theoretically like on his resume, what his like third or fourth movie, like major Stand film. By Me, also incredible. Yeah. But this is the first one he produced also that he directed. And so. Yeah. And then he went on to just to just to throw this out there. He went on to do When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, North, which, by the way, I have defended North to so many people on what it used to be called Twitter years ago. You don't. Why are you shaking? You don't know North? I haven't watched it. Elijah I know it, Wood? I haven't watched it. Wow. Sorry, Elijah. Love that movie growing up. He did The American President, The Ghost of Mississippi, The Story of Us, Alex and Emma, Rumor Has It, The Bucket List, Flipped. He, he's done so many movies. And he's such a good director. Also a really nice guy. I've met him. A great actor as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, you met him? I met him in my radio career. Uh, Super nice guy. Yeah. And I love that. I wanted him to be. Yeah. Unlike Jeffrey Tambor. I wanted him to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'll also mention too, his dad is like, uh, do you know, you know who his dad was, right? No. Carl Reiner. That's embarrassing. You didn't you didn't know that was that was his dad? <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Wait, didn't I do this in another episode when you're like, that's his brother? I was like, duh, they have the same yes. name. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I was it with uh Kurt Cameron and Yeah, and I was yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, oh boy. But yeah, his dad is a what was like he unfortunately passed away uh in twenty twenty, but his dad was like a force to be reckoned with too. He was he was a great actor as well so even even late in life so i love that yeah well i mean if if you've we always say this but if you live under a rock and you don't know what the princess bride is about i I truly don't know what to tell you yeah i mean what would you say it was about if you had to if you had to explain this cult classic to somebody (laughs) in 20 words or less what would you say well what's interesting too is there's two ways to describe it there's a way to describe it on its own, right? It's like this fairy tale love story, you know, of there's sword fighting and and it's a kissing it's a kissing story. But yes. there's also like the which I love about it and it's so unique and I feel like that's like has to come a little bit from Rob Reiner's creativity is the entire concept of the story. It's not just you're diving into this here's the story. There's Fred Savage is on a, you know, in bed and he's homesick. And his grandfather uh, is reading him the book, and that's the that's the tale story. Tale of in. Buttercup, the tale yeah. of Buttercup. And and the thing is, it, it's you know me, I don't like whimsical stories. You know, I, I can't get into you know uh, Game of Thrones or any of that stuff. It just I it, for some reason just doesn't lock into my brain. But I this, just want you to try though. I, I have want tried. You to try Game no, of Thrones. I've tried. I've tried. I, I know, but I I think from a we're going to discuss this at another day on another episode. But I think if you got into the real meat and potatoes of the episode cinematically and from your very giant wealth of knowledge, I yeah. think that you would appreciate a lot of things about the show. Okay, fair. Just saying. Okay. But this you can get into, which I find hilarious. I know. This you're I know. in. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I'm glad this is don't, it. Don't mind me. I don't care. I'm glad this is it. If I had to pick one, I'm glad this is the one. <laughs> But it's great. I mean, I love I love this movie, and you know, Peter Falk being the the grandfather is is it just it's also cast really well. That goes 
back to what we were saying about Andre the Giant. Like every role in this movie, this was pretty much the beginning of everyone's career, right? Am I, am I off on that? Like looking back at no, 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 I don't think so. I mean, there there was quite a few people that were in line for a lot of these roles mm-hmm. that I, I'm so happy with how it ended up yeah. because even looking at it, you know, I, I don't think that I could like Uma Thurman, Meg Ryan were Courtney Cox, Susie Amos, Sean Young, Alexandra Paul and Whoopi Goldwork all auditioned for the role of Buttercup. Wow. None of them could have done this. Like maybe a young Uma Thurman I could maybe see, you know, cause she is a little bit quirky, but I don't know. I just feel like, well, two things. I almost forget this is Robin Wright. And I'll get back to that in a second. But also, is it me or is anytime you read a list of people that were almost cast in as like an actress in a role in the 80s, it's always Sean Young is on that list. Yeah. Like she just didn't get any part. Won. Yeah. <laughs> she never won. She auditioned Poor for Sean everything Young. and got nothing. She auditioned yeah. for everything. Also, we we should just talk about this. Yeah. Um, Wesley. Yes. Hello. Yes. My son's name is Wesley. And we and when we were naming him, it it was like, well, do we do W-E-S-T-L-E-Y or do we do W-E-S-L-E-Y, like with or without the T? And when we looked it up, it's like, oh, Wesley in The Princess Bride is with the T. And apparently it's like the more British way of spelling it anyway, which we weren't aware of. And it was like, all right, cool. That justifies it. All right, cool. So he's Wesley. So... Who yes, Buttercup my, falls in love with. Who Buttercup falls in love with. And vice versa. But yes, yes, yes. yes and then as you wish. unfortunately his ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts. Yes. And he's presumed dead. And yeah. she ends up getting betrothed to shitty little Prince Humperdinck from yeah. Florin. And uh right before the wedding, she gets kidnapped. And yeah. then you have the movie. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's basically it. And uh, the outlaws are. Yeah. I love this description. A small Sicilian man named Vizzini, a yeah. giant from Greenland named Fezzik, and a Spanish fencing master named Nigo Montoya, who famously is played by Mandy Patinkin, who's just also one of the incredible. only people in the movie with a last name. Just want to point that out. That's very true. Yeah. Even it's Wesley and Buttercup. We never know their last. We, we no don't know last their last name. Yeah. So anyway, they're seeking. Yeah, they're seeking revenge against a six fingered man who murdered his father. Yeah. And I just I'm like even happy reading the description of this. It yeah. brings me so much happiness. This movie. Well, what I love about it, too, is if you're watching, especially you're like, remember what I remember watching it as a kid and the movie gets right into it. And like I said, like even the soundtrack is sounds like made for TV movie, right? It's written by a guy from Dire Straits. Is it really? Yeah. That's that's crazy. It 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 sounds lo-fi, right? Am I am I crazy in that? Like it sounds like it sounds no, like it was just No, that was all intentional. I'm yes. pretty sure. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. But that's my point is it goes to show you like it's not like oh wow, this movie's poorly done because like the music sounds like it was made on a Casio keyboard. It almost makes it better because it the movie doesn't have even in the acting no one's overacting right if you think of like wesley the entire movie like he's not over emoting buttercup definitely isn't either like she just no has like the same tone the whole movie it's it's really interesting though because you have that like contrast between the characters in the storybook and then like fred savage and his grandpa sitting on the bed 
you know, reading and hearing the story, like where it's a little bit more real life. And then we go into the story and it's a little bit like not real life. And, and it's so subtle, but it's so fun and cool and I love it. And, and, and also even as a kid, I recognized, I was like, I know all these actors, right? I know Billy Crystal yeah. and Wallace Shawn. The other thing too, the movie's like super quotable. Like even it's so quotable. Yeah. And you know, like when you watch a TV show or a movie and it feels like a family. Yeah. That's what this was. Rob Reiner rented a house in England and the cast would go over to the house and they would stay there for meals that he would cook and they would have get togethers. And it's not like (laughs) it wasn't like they wanted to shoot their scene and then go back to their trailer. It was like they shot their scene and they ran back and they were watching everybody else shoot theirs because they wanted to be part of it. Like it truly felt. Yeah. Like a family. I think maybe there's not many movies where I watch it and I'm like, oh, these people love each other. Yeah. This whole cast loves each other. You can yeah. feel it. Yeah. It's it's really great. Like it, it I don't know. It comes through on the screen. I I love that. And and the story is it's a good story. And like I, I wish I talked about it last week, like with Monster Squad, right? Like who is yeah. the who is this geared towards? Like who is the target audience for this? And you you put it into perspective, right? It's it's like I don't know. Like I'm like I'm sort of looking back to kind of figure it out. Like it's a family film, yeah. But it's not play. And this is what I I think I said about Monster Squad too. Like it's not placating to the audience. It's not like oh, it's a family film, so we have to avoid doing this and we have to shove a lot of this into their into it. It's just a good story and. I think it always plays up to that, you know, the what Peter Falk, Falk is sitting in bed and Fred Savage's bed reading the story to him. And yeah. he's like, oh, it's a great story with this and that. And he's like selling it to his, you know, little, like this little kid. But the whole movie is that, too, where it's like, oh, no, it's a good story. Like it has all these things. And depending on how you view it, it's, you know, this whimsical great tale or it's something that's, you know, like a little kid can watch, which we clearly did. I it's unassuming. I think too very unassuming. That's a great word to use to describe it. I also think that there's perfect example to me. This is like the original drunk history, right? So yeah. the grandfather's telling this story to his grandson <laughs> and it's kind of lo fi and not like, you know, really well put together. And you can kind of see the grandfather working the story out as he's telling it to his grandson in the movie. And I think that's why it's like, what would this little kid be imagining from the story his grandfather's telling him? And this is what's brought to life. And it feels very much like that. And I, I'm glad it's this way. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad it's not Game of Thrones cinematic, blah, blah, blah. Like it wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah. Do you and it wouldn't f- appeal to little kids like no. the way it appealed to us. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, do you have a favorite uh, character from the movie? Duh, Andre the Giant, because I thought he was well, like, true. you know, family. <laughs> <laughs> when you're I Italian, guess. everyone's like, oh, uncle this, aunt this, uncle, yeah. you know. Um, uh, I would say. <sighs> I would say probably, yes, when I was younger, it was Andre the Giant again, because Amanda wants yeah. all things cuddled. Yeah. But now watching it back, I think it's an ego Montoya. Really? And and there the reason why is knowing what I know about what Mandy Patinkin put into that character, how much it meant to him and how yeah. much 
was really mirroring what was happening in his life and, and just like a bunch of stuff. He put his whole life into that character. Like he just like we were saying with Carrie, who plays Wesley, they know that this is the big thing that they're known for. They've gone on to do wonderful things, but this is what people want. They want Mandy Patinkin to say his famous lines, you know, they, they want same, (laughs) but they don't deny it. You know how like some actors are like, Oh God. Yeah. I'm just known for this thing. They love it. They lean into it because I yeah. think they know that they created something really freaking special. Yeah. Well, it's also one of those movies that like it, it, the fandom it does have, right? Like people aren't, it's one movie based on one book. And I don't think the fandom has a lot to sort of overreact to. I mean, there are some fandoms that can get a little scary, right? I think can like overdo it with a lot of things. And with this movie, are like you pointing your finger at me, Tom? <laughs> The Harry Potter franchise? No, I didn't yep. say that. If and anything, wise, wise words of Daniel Radcliffe of all the things that you could be obsessed with. At least it's not heroin. Yeah. Okay. That's, Daniel that's Radcliffe fair. said that. Well, I, I I guess put it this way: is like you know, it's just a single funny family comedy like fantasy movie. But to your point, yeah, I've like I've heard Carrie Elway's like. First off, I think his he, did he did like a like a book recently I want to say and he named it after oh. uh I have to look it up but I've heard him in interviews numerous times to your point talk about the like stories from the set of this movie and ironically enough in my brain I sometimes confuse this movie with Robin Hood men in tights with him sometimes because it's yeah all the time another movie I absolutely love like I love that movie absolutely love that movie but it's it's you know it's 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 great he yeah I don't know there's not a lot to say he he did a he loves the movie as much as we all love the movie yes his his he wrote a book called as you wish inconceivable tales from the making of the princess bride I love that which I I saw him on his I, I caught like you know clips of him on his book tour talking about it and it's all stories about behind the scenes meeting Rob Reiner and meeting um uh what's her name uh Robin Wright which by the way can I just point something out cuz yeah Robin Wright's career I feel like has like she she's in a bunch of stuff over time but she randomly pops up in the 80s in this the nineties in Forrest Gump. And then like the two thousands, like she does like house of cards, which like was like a, the biggest thing she had done uh, in the two thousands. And I think it's hilarious because she's so versatile that in every one of those things, she's a completely different person and incredible. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, you can separate like Robin Wright could be three different actresses to that point. Like it, it she just, yeah, she, she's such a badass. Yeah. Did you know that the book was written for uh, his two daughters, William Goldman? No. He said he had two daughters and they were seven and four. And he said, I'm going to write you a story. What do you want it to be about? One daughter said princess and the other one said bride. And he said, that'll be the title. And that's how that started. And Carrie Elway's stepdad gave him that book in 1975 when he was 13 years old. Really? Yeah. And Rob Reiner first read the book when he was in his 20s. Huh. When Goldman gave it to his badass father. So <laughs> Goldman gave Rob Reiner's book this or Rob Reiner's dad this book and it became Reiner's favorite book of all time. And this was supposed to be made into a movie by so many people and it did not get 
made. Wait, wait. Like, he, he gave it to Carl Reiner. I have to point that he out. Gave it to Carl Reiner. Yes. Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. Who, by the way, I mean, if you if you don't know who he is, because I think the most recent thing that a lot of people probably knew him from, he was in Summer School, by the way. He was in the movie Summer School. Just throw that out there. But he was Saul in the Ocean's Eleven franchise with uh, all the other famous people that were in that. But that's where he's probably like most well known to this generation. <laughs> but he was a you know big comedian back in the what 50s 60s yeah so worth mentioning also a big writer like that was yeah so huge huge writer i was just looking up his uh credits while you were talking about it yeah. and was like holy shit yeah <laughs> well funny enough until his death right and when i say until his death i mean literally like till his last days him and mel brooks would have like lunch or breakfast or one of those things every single day they were the best of friends all the way until the end of Carl's Freaking life. Freaking insane to yeah. me. Uh, Makes sense, but still insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm enamored by Carl Reiner's career and his sense of humor and that what that man did. So anyway. Same. Just a little sidebar. I had to stop off. And- did you know Danny DeVito was um, the original? What? Uh, Vizzini the Sicilian. No, really? Yeah. Yeah. And... I mean, I don't blame him. Sean was super insecure after that. And he went to he went to Harvard and Oxford and studied philosophy and economics. So, like, he's a very smart person. Wallace Sean. Great actor. Yeah. yeah. Great actor. But, uh, yeah, he thought he was going to be fired after every take. And he's like, they just want they wish they got Danny DeVito. What was Danny DeVito? Up what would Danny DeVito him? do? I believe he was in the final. Yeah. Oh, wow. I wonder why he didn't that they just choose him well, over it says that he was chosen uh wallace Shawn was chosen because his much smaller size to the giant fezzik i guess they wanted they liked the way that looked together with the okay. two of them like they wanted it to be such a contrast although i would i would yeah, think Danny DeVito Danny DeVito so short yeah <laughs> yeah i have no idea we should Let's check. text we Rob should, Reiner and ask yeah. him. <laughs> Why? Just get him on the horn. Woo! Another thing I love is the like only drama of this movie is you know like the the fearsome rodents of unusual size. Yeah. The ruse. Yes. Buttercup calls them. The only drama that they had, well, first of all, did you know Rob Reiner was the voice actor for of the what? rodents? Really? Of the rodents. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that's that. Rob no. Reiner. But the actor that was in the rat suit mm-hmm. when he's supposed to do the scene where uh, Wesley is like wrestling him, yeah. the lead actor uh, was missing and they didn't know where he was. And they found out he was in jail and they had to run and bail him out of jail what? to get him back on set to shoot the scene because this was, you know. You know how it goes when it's like, we have to shoot the scene today. We're losing yeah. the light. Yep. Jeez. He was in prison. How, why? Do we know? Doesn't say. Probably. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Jeez. Okay. Wow. Okay. That, that's interesting. Yeah. By the Do way, I looked- Do you have a favorite I, character? 
I do, but I just want to, I just want to, um, okay. I have a quote for you. Cause I actually, while we were talking, I was, um, okay. multitasking. So Wallace Shawn in, in an interview with EW back in 2011 explained where well, that's what this, this whole concept about Danny DeVito came from. Um, oh. he said, I was not the first person they wanted. Unfortunately, my agent at the time believed that it would be helpful for me to know who they actually wanted. So he told me it was Danny DeVito. It's a bad move. Looking back on it, it didn't help. Danny is intimidable. Imitable. Inimitable. I don't know. Um, Each scene we did, I pictured how he would have done it. And I knew I could never possibly have done it the way he could have done it. It made it challenging. I've mentioned it to Danny since. I said, you know, of everything that I've ever done since birth, the thing that is most well-known is a part that I had because you were unavailable. He might have laughed nervously when I said that. So, which leads credence to the fact that, yes, he was, but apparently he was unavailable, which I guess looking at the time frame, what was this, 1986? Probably, yeah, 85, 86. Yeah, so what? This came out in 87. uh, Oh, yes, okay, so 80, yeah, 86. So what was, uh, what was Danny DeVito doing in, uh, in 1986? Everything. (laughs) <laughs> name it he was doing everything he was in everything in the 80s yeah maybe he was doing um well twins didn't come out until 88 um, i guess he was he was doing taxi and then one. after that i don't know but either way he was unavailable for whatever reason i guess we'll i guess we'll we'll figure it out or maybe he was doing ruthless people that was around that time so i don't know we'll anyway. text him right after we're done texting yeah, rob reiner we, we share the same okay, birthday which, you know. who rob reiner and danny devito no me or and you danny and danny devito, DeVito. <gasps> oh my gosh i'll invite him to hang out with you for your birthday I after i text him for our birthday to be clear there you go you guys can celebrate together oh, i guess i can bring this full circle i i was always i always loved like what what made me laugh as a kid was wallace sean's character of just how very looney tunes the character is because there's mm-hmm. like a lot of like whimsical characters and weird things and and, you know, there's the entire thing with like Billy Crystal and um, oh, Carol Kane. God. Carol Kane, <laughs> chef's kiss. Love her so much. I love that Carol Kane has not changed over like 40 years. Like she still basically plays versions of the same character. Like her on The Incredible Kimmy Schmidt is is the oh, same Carol Kane. Oh my Kane God, it's 80s. one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I love that show. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, Wallace Shawn, I love it. I love the quotable lines. It's all it's all great, but Carrie Elway's like plays. I mean, I I feel like you have to you have to pick some someone who's not one of the two main characters. But I just to mention it, like I think he plays the character so well, like with such like, you know, he, again, it, there's no overacting. It's all subtlety. It's all simple. Just the way he always has his head down like this, like yes. even now, like any picture he takes, he's like this. Yes, it's just like the menacing. <laughs> hot prince like he just he still looks like that yeah dread pirate roberts um <laughs> dread pirate roberts but yeah and i and i i had the same thing with you like andre the giant like you know like wonderful big-hearted giant this is great but um yeah i know i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it. i'll say wallace sean i used to love that character that's fair i love him yeah. just love the way him. he falls over at the end when he's laughing and just like Again, Looney Tunes, just mid-laugh, just falls over to the side. When I was little, he didn't feel like a real person to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, he yeah, felt yeah. like a fake, like... Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you like Miracle Max, Billy Crystal's character? Scared the shit out of me. I was, I mean, 
by the time I was watching this, I knew who Billy Crystal was. So, oh, I so, did not. I mean, I was a I was a like you know film buff child. I was weird, and so for me, I'm just like, oh, I, anytime these these characters or these actors would come up, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. You know, I knew who Carrie Elways is, what was at the time. I knew Mandy Patinkin. I knew Wallace Shawn. Even Andre the Giant, I knew his background. But, you know, Billy Crystal pops. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Billy Crystal. Like, you know, I know him from all the other things I know him from. And so it didn't, like, it's it's hard for, like, a little kid to see past that at some point, I guess. Or I was just weird. But, yeah. Like, there were other little characters in, the like, the, the movie that I like enjoyed more than that because again, Billy Crystal's character is probably the most over the top because he was Billy yeah, Crystal I mean, acting the best Billy, being yeah. Billy Crystal. So maybe that's why, maybe that's why it stood out. He said that he wanted Max to, miracle Max to look like a cross between his grandma and former Yankees manager, Casey Stengel. He wanted him to look like that. <laughs> and I think he achieved it. And he filmed that entire role, like all of his days of shooting were only three days, 10 hours a day. And he apparently never made the same joke twice. Like no matter how many times they had to reshoot the scenes, he would do different jokes. Yeah. And Rob Reiner <laughs> would laugh so much that he'd have to leave the room during filming. Yeah. And Mandy Patinkin said the only injury he suffered on the set, despite all of his fight scenes, was he bruised the muscles on one side of his ribs from trying so hard not to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um when he was doing scenes with Billy Crystal. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. One of the fun facts I have is that, is that Billy Crystal, he made a movie. I, I did not see this What? afterwards, but he made a movie based on his time with Andre the Giant. It was called My Giant. Oh, I knew, and the yeah, whole I knew movies, that movie. Yeah. And that's based on, it's loosely based on all the time that he spent with Andre the Giant. On is the it really? Princess Bride. Yeah. I did not know that. Huh. It's so cute. I always, I mean, one of my favorite quotes also is the, I, I don't know the character's name who says it, but the Mowage. <laughs> Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together. <laughs> love, true love. True love. Um, I, by the way, found out why that the guy in the rat suit got arrested. Oh, he had why? a fight with his wife and he burned down the kennel that they owned. Jesus. So the film crew had to leave him bail him out of jail so he could film the fire swamp scene. Oh, cool. More fire. <laughs> Fantastic. That's exactly what that man needs more of. We get him get him more fire. Fantastic. Have you heard any of this, the interviews with Mandy Patinkin about the story of his father and how he his dad died of pancreatic cancer when he was 53 oh and like a couple of years before they filmed it. And he said that for motivation, he would always tell himself like on filming days to take it so seriously that if he caught the six fingered man, his dad would come back. And when he stabbed Count Rugen, he said it felt like he was killing the cancer that killed his father. Jeez. And for one tiny moment, his dad was alive again and his his fairy tale came true. Man, Mandy Patinkin seems like a very complicated, and not in a bad way, but a very complicated love him man. so much. Follow him on TikTok. Yeah. His son runs the account, yeah. and it's just the most beautiful, he's the most beautiful, simple man. I love how they're just- With such a big heart. I've watched the TikToks, and it's just like him, it's just old people, like your parents, just fumbling around. He's like, I'm going to go on a road trip, and he's like packing the car up, and like he's like, I want to go on a road trip. Like, 
It with his dog. Uh, yeah. He brought his doggy with him. <laughs> but he, uh, one of the TikToks I saw, and it was not on his account, but it was an interview he did, and he said that it was really emotional for everybody on set because every time they would do like a fight scene or another scene, and Rob Reiner would say "cut print." Mm-hmm. They would all like look at each other and get teary eyed because it meant they didn't get to do it again. And like really? they felt like every time they they finished something, they're like, oh, my God, we're so much closer to this being over. And like they never wanted it to end. I feel like it's I don't know. It's just one of those movies that it makes me so happy yeah. that the people that made the movie love the movie as much as the people like us well, who love the movie. I was going to ask you for some of that behind the scenes stuff like where. Uh, where was this filmed? Because you mentioned it. I, I forget if you mentioned where it was. Yeah. Filmed. So it was in a couple locations in in the old UK. Mm-hmm. So um, it was shot in various locations in England and Ireland. Okay. So they did Sheffield, England, Buckinghamshire, England. Um, the Battle of the Wit scene is shot at Lothiel Dale where it meets Kale's Dale. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, Cave Dale in Derbyshire, England. Bradley Rocks in Derbyshire, England. Cliffs of Moher, which are beautiful. I've been there. Really? Um, that's the Cliffs of Insanity. Yeah, it's so You've been to the looking. Cliffs of Insanity? <laughs> Every goddamn day, sir. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I didn't realize this entire movie was filmed in England. In the UK. Uh, yeah. UK. But so everyone was American for the most part. Cause I'm trying to think of like, obviously, I mean, Andre was French, but he was, you know, French, living in America yeah. at that point, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But what I'm trying to think now, is anyone in the cast actually British or like, was everyone just kind of flown in from America to do this? I, I'm assuming that's what they did. And I was looking at like one of my favorite facts. I think you'll appreciate. Yeah. So Carrie Elway and Mandy Patinkin had to learn to fence both left and right handed because they had to look like, you know, Rob Reiner spent something like over a year researching 17th century sword fighting because he wanted the fight scenes to be so accurate. Yeah. And guess who they brought in? Um, They first of all, they performed all of the fight scenes themselves, um, except for two somersaults, which they had stunt doubles in for. But they were trained by instructor Bob Anderson and stunt arranger Peter Diamond, who then went on to train all the actors for the Star Wars trilogy. Oh, wow. Well, I wonder if that's because like with it's all in England, right? Like it's, yeah, they filmed all the probably. Star Wars stuff there too. While we're looking up fun facts, did you, did you see who else was potentially in the running for Fezzik? No. Oh, you didn't see that part? Oh, these are fun no, facts. That, okay. So when, when the writer wrote the, the screenplay, uh, and he was shopping the screenplay for, uh, or the novel to become a screenplay. His first initial choice for Fezzik was Andre the Giant. That's who he wanted. That's who he envisioned. And then this is again early '80s, and at that point, you know, it, it seemed like Andre wasn't going to be available for filming. So then they had to come up with some second choices. Second choice was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <gasps> Wait, I did, I did remember reading that somewhere. Okay. And then by the time they were able to make the movie, he was too expensive, right? Yeah, basically, like between the early 80s and 86, you know, when they filmed this, suddenly Arnold Schwarzenegger was a giant star. Um, I forget what, what which came out first um, in the in the 80s with Arnold. But at that Robo-Cop. point, yeah, you can't afford Arnold anymore. And so then they had to go. They went back to Andre and there was like so much pushing against why he couldn't potentially do it. Number one, he was still 
wrestling and he still had these giant matches mm-hmm. he was doing. And then separately, he was just worried because A, he's a wrestler. B, the movie's in English and he's French, which I guess he can kind of fudge and get away with for being like this big monster Andre the Giant in wrestling. But in the movie, he's, well, he was afraid. Robin Wright also was from Texas. They sent her to a dialect coach for a very long time to get rid of her accent and to give her a British accent. Huh. So they they probably had to do it for a lot of people on the show. Yeah. (laughs) Just to put into perspective, too, I I had to check uh, Arnold's um, filmography. So we were talking originally like, like 1980 when they were looking at this. He really hadn't been in anything much except for like Pumping Iron, which was like the documentary that he was in. That most people like that's how he kind of became known in the industry. And then uh, in 82, he was in Conan the Barbarian, followed by Conan the Destroyer. Then in 84, he was in the Terminator. 85, he's in Commando. And then that's it. By 86, he's he's done. Instead of doing this, he did Predator. So I think, you know, uh, he went on to a fantastic career. And then he would work alongside Danny DeVito in Twins. Who oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Great movie. By the way, did you hear that there was some I mean, this is a big side note, but like timely when we're recording this. Apparently there was almost a twins two that was supposed to happen. And then according to Danny DeVito, allegedly, they because Arnold got into politics, it just became like unattainable for them to do that. So so they could have been really? a twins too, except, you know, Arnold decided to become governor of California. Arnold, he has pet donkeys. <laughs> They're really cute. That's funny. These are the things I know, guys. Yeah. These are the fun facts I bring. Do you have a favorite line? Oh, man. I do. And I forget what it is. I mean, that that's that's such a weird thing. It's the line. I... I I have a different one from when I was little. Go when on. I was little, okay. of course, it was I am Inigo Montoya. Yeah. You know, like that's, you know, of course. But rewatching it, my favorite one is that scene when Inigo Montoya, like buttercups falling out the window. <laughs> and he's like, I've been in the revenge business for so long. And he's like, it's very strange. I've been in the revenge business for so long. I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. Because he's done, you know, yeah, like he's yeah, completed yeah. his ultimate thing. He's done. He doesn't know what to do. And I just like, not to get very meta, but I just love, like, I love that line. Like when you're doing something for so long and then you switch or end something, it's like, I always think of that at line. Like it's not serious, not meant to be the way that I'm reading into it, but I've always loved that one yeah. as an adult, I should say. <laughs> So I had I had to look it up because I always get it wrong. I want I wanted to get it completely right. Okay, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm gonna try to do it here. Let's see if I can do it. <clears throat> okay. It's you fell victim to one of the classic blunders, the most famous of which is never get involved in a land war in Asia. But only slightly less less only slightly less well known is this: never going in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Did I do my good Wallace <laughs> Shawn impression? <laughs> It's just because I mean, I, I still don't. And also, if you Google like never That's get involved so in a land war in Asia, all the all the responses are what does that quote mean? Because no one understands it, which to me as a kid was the joke. Right. It's just this weird like what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. And he thinks he's smarter than everybody. And he's just saying these weird things. And. 
And then like none of it actually makes any sense. And that's what I always found funny about it is because of how full of himself he is, even to this quote where it's like, what the hell does that even mean? It doesn't actually mean anything. I love it. Like we had talked about it's it's I mean, this whole movie is supposed to end the book. It's supposed to be like a satire on, you know, princess movies and princess books and all this stuff. But I love that one because it's so First of all, so quotable. That's so yeah. good. But I I have said you never get into a fight with Sicilian when death is on the line yeah. before, just in yeah. daily. Like, I'm not Sicilian. I'm very Northern Italian. I yes. have blonde hair and blue eyes. Like, yes. I'm not Sicilian. But I love that quote. I yeah. love it. Well, I love it. I mean, it's really funny because, like, the Internet is still arguing over what the hell that quote even means, <laughs> oh which is great, gosh. which I love that. I love the fact that, like, people are trying to make sense of it. And it's one of those things where I'm like, if it was so on the nose, we would have known by now. And the fact that like there are people who are like, oh, well, you know, look at all the the wars like, you know, Napoleon and Hitler and Alexander the Great and all these other people who like tried to do that and always failed. Right. They always tried yeah. a land war and failed. And but the reality is that's like I don't even know if the writer uh, like was thinking that far into it. I think he's just sort of like throwing something out there without thinking too much about it. But. The the fact like, you know, is it William Goldman being trying to say something really specific that we don't understand? Or is it that character just being so full of himself that he thinks he's smarter than he is and he's not as smart as he I think he is? you're I think that's what it yes. is. I want it to be that. That's better for me. Yes. So now do you know how did this do when it came out in theaters? I was, was gonna ask you hit? that question. It... Okay, hold on. I probably have it yeah. in this nice note thing. Okay, so Sixteen million dollar budget. Yeah, it grossed thirty point nine million at the box office. It's got a ninety eight percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's it's hard to not like this movie. <laughs> How could you not? Um, but I mean that's it's pretty decent. It did premiere at the Ryerson Theater in Toronto okay. first, and then it went worldwide in the U.S. Mm-hmm. later that fall. So interesting that they premiered it there well and i'll give it i gotta give it this too right which is really funny because there's there's a little bit of something here so it it was here's what it was up against in the theaters at the time right so it was it was opening weekend it was number three at the box office it was behind like father like son which i'll get back to in a second and Mm -hmm. fatal attraction okay well also in theaters at that time you had um uh, Dirty Dancing was still in theaters. La Bamba was still in theaters. So like, there's a few things out there that you know at that point too. Uh, Three o'clock high, which is like this crazy weird '80s movie. But let's talk. Can we talk about one second? Because because I think there's a, like a sort of a connection here. Is uh, like Father Like Son came out that same mm-hmm. weekend, or did it come out that weekend? Yeah. It was already in box office. I was already in theaters. I don't I don't know which. What's interesting to me is that is the one. Uh, do you know that movie? Do you know which movie I'm talking about? Like father, like I know which movie you're talking about, but I didn't watch it. Okay, so there are so like it. It literally became a cliche, right? Like there was uh, this was Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron from from the great Cameron family. uh, Yes, we all love apparently. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) Um, not at all. No, not at all. But Fred Savage, which is a movie about a, a boy who switches places with his dad. Yes, not unlike. The movie starring Fred Savage, which was called Vice Versa from 88. 
So nice try, Freddy boy. So a year after Like Father, Like Son, you get Vice Versa, which is the same exact plot. But it's starring. They did that so much in the 80s and 90s, though, didn't they? They just like kind of hit copy paste on movies sometimes. And it worked half the time. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't work for them. Yeah. Didn't work for them. No. But I mean, I love I mean, what's always funny is out of all those 80s movies, it's well, you know, like father, like son is Dudley Moore and Kirk Cameron. Vice versa is Judge Reinhold and Fred Savage, who I like. I like that pairing better. I'll take Fred Savage and Judge Reinhold. I blame this movie for the person that I grew up to be with, like how I expected love to be. And it ruined you. And like in. Yeah. Well, in a good way, I think. But this is such I don't think people focus it on it as much because it is such a great comedy and great adventure film. But like this is a great love story. And I read books all the time that people talk about what are the tropes and the tropes meaning like, is it, you know, like hard to get? Are they long distance? Like what creates this love? And this created a trope that I would love to read onto books. Like I've, I've done to your wife. I've got her obsessed with these books where there's, you know, there's so much palpable romance between, and that's again, to the actors, they played it so well, but there's so much palpable romance between Wesley and Buttercup that you, it feels like, Oh my God. And I was little watching this like six, seven. I was like, Oh my God, I just, I want to fall in love like this someday. And the whole, as you wish is like, such a beautiful example of a man who will literally die, go to the ends of the mm-hmm. earth to make the woman that he loves happy and yeah. to like do anything for her. And I was like, well, that's clearly how it has to be, I guess. That's just, well, you're not going to love me like Wesley loves Buttercup. Don't do it. Well, t- to put a bow on this also, like, is I mean, I, this is a sort of fair way to look at it, right? Like we said that this, the book itself was essentially a parody of all these, you know, fairy tales and things. But to us, like this wasn't a parody. This was just its own thing. And it was really good, which is funny to me that it's like the thing that is putting a mirror up to the silliness and, you know, what, like what's kind of weird or whatever about all these fairy tales ends up becoming better than the sum of its parts kind of thing, which is how it's supposed to be, I guess. But yeah. You know, instead of it being like like it's like Scream versus Scary Movie, right? Yes. Scary Movie as a as a comedy by itself is is hilarious and a great comedy that sets a sets a tone to the point of like there were too many sequels and it became, you know, unhinged and there were too many something movies that came out in the early 2000s that literally flooded us. But this is essentially a takedown if sort of of fairy tales and in reality it's actually a better fairy tale than all the ones it's sort Ugh, of making fun of it's one of my favorite yeah yeah one of my favorite love stories it's just made you love love it definitely yeah. made me love love and you know probably why i'm such a voracious reader and love this genre and it just constantly chasing that feeling that i felt watching this it was just like so romantic but also it had adventure and also yeah. it was just like so exciting these are the the stories that, you know, I was dreaming up in my head. Yeah. This is probably my favorite fun fact, and I saved it till the end. Okay. I'm just throwing it out there. Gotham West, if we ever want to. Okay. Uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, a bar opened in Chicago oh. called As You Wish, really? and the menu has 16 themed cocktails. <laughs> I will try all of them. 
and I will drink them all. Yeah, you know, I've never been to Chicago, and and there's been like me several things lately that's been like you should go to Chicago. I should try it out. I mean, we should have gone to Chicago. Just to, we gotta gotta get our John Hughes on. You know, that's true. Yeah. We got to get our Chris Columbus on, our John Hughes. I mean, we got to Chicago it up. It's funny you say that. I mean, look, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. We're going to have to figure out <gasps> dun, a few, dun, dun. few. There's you can't go through the holiday season without bumping into a John Hughes movie. So I've already seen my first of the season. Like, it's not even the first. <gasps> Talk week to in me. November. What was it? Oh, I, I rewatched Christmas Vacation. Oh, so good. Yeah. Shall we? <laughs> Shall we do that this season? Maybe. I mean, we? Have to, we have to figure out our, our slew of uh, holiday movies. We'll, we'll get through them. But this also, to, to tie that together, I almost feel, okay. is it me or does this movie feel like a holiday movie? Like it feels like it's somehow tied to the holidays. I don't know why. It does. Yeah. I wonder if that's because around the holidays is when you're getting stories read to you and like there's kind of like that, that fantasy like christmas is very fantastical there's yeah. you know uh things that we believe around christmas <laughs> just in case anyone's listening with their kids yeah. in the car and maybe maybe that's why but also i think and i don't know how to check this but i believe that this is in that stretch mm-hmm. of shows that are shown on loop on cable tv yeah because i vividly remember watching this a lot yeah. when it was on TV. Yeah. Well, also, I, I mean, the the premise of the movie of like, you know, Fred Savage being read to by grandpa in bed. I feel <laughs> the last line of the movie. Ugh. What's the last line of the Ugh. movie? When the grandfather finishes the book and the boy says to his grandfather the next day and he says, well, this is not the last line of the movie, yeah. but it's like the, my big like ending to the movie when mm-hmm. he says, can you read it to me tomorrow? And the grandfather says, as you wish. Aw. <laughs> well, Peter Falk was also a great character, like a great actor to be grandpa because he was like, you know. Oh, he was so good. Soft and like, I mean, yeah, every character Peter Falk played, I mean, he was Columbo and the like he was just an unassuming, like he wasn't threatening or anything. He was just this soft, yeah, easygoing, blah, blah, blah. Good grandpa. And, you know, I, I will say that the... The movie itself, I'm sure, was probably not set out to be the cult classic it is, but yeah. Rob Reiner's pretty good at creating cult classics. Yeah. Like He did it with This Is Spinal Tap. He did it with this. He's done it with a lot of his projects that we already yeah. talked about. But whenever, I mean, my best friend, Athene, and I used to quote this movie nonstop. We talked about making our wedding vows if we ever got married, the <laughs> wedding vows of this movie, which I... Honestly, Is now that I'm remembering you? this, I think she may have. Okay. I think she may have done a Princess Bride nod in her <laughs> in her um vows. Okay. But there's just you know, like we you you watch movies with your son, you bring him to movies, yeah. you say, Is it time for him to watch this? I've watched this at different points in my life. I watched it very young. Then I watched it as like a preteen teenager. And then I watched yeah. it as a very stoned high school teenager because it made us laugh so hard. Yeah. And then I watched it as an adult. And this is one of those movies that you could show to your son now and he would not care that it was made in the 80s. Yeah. Like it transcends decades. It does not feel like, oh, this is so old and boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
It's exciting. It's a good movie. Have you shown it to him yet? Yeah, we watched it with him before. Okay, I have to rewatch it okay, with him, good. which maybe we'll do it now. All right, but I think it, I think it's time. Um, can I can I just um, throw something out there for you too? I want you to yes, just to take us back to the to the year nineteen eighty seven. I was born that year, so it was obviously the best year. But go ahead. So, because I, I was like sort of curious, like, oh, how long did this last in theaters? And it's stuck in there. It was still in theaters going into the holidays. It, it premiered originally in the beginning of October. So that's where I was like, maybe there's like, you know, maybe it's stuck around a little bit. But for what it's worth, this is the same year that Planes, Trains, and Automobiles came out. And that was, that was really, and Three Ooh. Men and a Baby. But those are the big oh. holiday season Ooh. movies. And then, funny enough, and maybe this is, this is, a, this is the, another bow on it. Who was originally supposed to play, play uh, Fennec? Oh, not Fennec, the, the Sicilian. Uh, Danny DeVito? Uh, that, a uh, couple weeks later, number one at the box office, Throw Mama from the Train premieres. Oh, no. Also, also <laughs> starring Billy Crystal. So, maybe that's what they were, well, maybe that's what he was busy I'm making. I'm happy. Yeah. That Andre the Giant's fight that he had scheduled in Tokyo was canceled so that he got to be in this movie. Oh, is that what happened? It was canceled? Yeah, he was supposed to have this like big fight in Tokyo and it got canceled. So he was able to be free. And that's when Rob Reiner was like, oh, my God, go get him. Yeah. (laughs) Go get him. So who did we ever do we ever know like who the like if it really came down to that, who we almost had? In that role, like we talked about all the people who were almost cast. And I know there were some other people that they. Yeah. So they had odd, like what a weird thing. First of all, Liam Neeson auditioned for the role. Obviously, didn't get it because he's not a hundred <laughs> feet tall. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. uh, Lou Ferrigno, and Carol Strykin. Well, I don't know who, yeah, know who this person to is. Who that was too. Oh, he, oh he, I think he's Lurch. the Adam Family from Lurch. Yes, Lurch or Lurch from yes, the yes, yes, yes. Okay, so yeah, they were all in the running for the end, but then when he found out that. It was canceled. He got wow. to hmm. he got to be in the movie. I guess. Wow. Which is why I was able to see it so young. That's why the, the rules were kind of pushed aside. <laughs> because There's your your family friend. I guess I never met him, yeah. but <laughs> that I know of. Grandpa I did. have no idea. He sure did. They used to hang out, um, oddly enough for people, they mm. used to hang out in upstate New York when the Catskills were the Catskills and there was all these big clubs like the Villa Roma and Kutcher's and the Concord yeah. were all these clubs that like Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and a bunch of comedians would come up on the weekends from the city and they would all perform. And then everybody from the city, this is before plane travel, mm-hmm. would come up here and my grandfather had a racehorse and would like wow. hang out with these people. And they would sit at these tables and drink a shit ton of liquor. And one of my favorite stories is Andre the Giant used to apparently drink 40 ounce beers Uh and he would pour a bunch of booze into the 40 ounce beer and he called it the American and he would just chug that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Same. Fun fact, like all those resorts and everything, obviously where that was also where. uh, uh, Dirty Dancing. Yes, thank you. Uh, That was based um, was called the Borscht Belt. Yes, and actually in Ellenville, New York, which is about 10 minutes from where I grew up, they have a Borscht Belt Museum. Really? That just opened this couple months ago. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool because back then, a lot of movies were filmed here. Really? Because we offered... A lot of studios were in New York City that were New York City based because there was LA based, New York City based. They could just come right here and it was so cheap. Everything was so cheap. It was like they were already these summer camps. All of like the cast and crew could stay yeah. there. Huh. Fun facts. Those are fun facts. Well, 
whether it's the holidays or not, go watch this movie if you haven't seen it. In a go while. watch a Princess Bride. It's a warm hug. If you've never seen it, you should definitely go watch it. I don't know. How many if you've never watch. seen it, well, you're, boo to you. Your fiance hasn't seen like half the movies that he should have seen at this point. Like, who has never seen? Die you've Hard? seen this one? Okay, this is. Oh yeah, that's that. That's fair. Well, yeah, we're gonna have to work on that. We should just do a series of making him come on the podcast to talk about movies that he should have seen that he had not seen. Yes. Die Hard is definitely one of them. Yeah, I don't know how you haven't seen Die Hard. That's a, that's an easy. One. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I still love him, but we're gonna have to work on this. Oh, anyway, all right. Well, that's that's a Princess Bride, one of both Tom and I's favorite movies of all time. All time. And if you haven't, head on over to our socials, TikTok yeah. and Instagram and Facebook and message us if you want some merch guys these hoodies are really soft <laughs> we have Just soft saying. hoodies we have really soft hoodies yeah you're wearing you're wearing a hoodie right now i'm wearing a hoodie from uh, another Folk podcast Town. you can find me on called Folktown. yeah um that's a limited season but we just finished our first season so you can head on over and check that one out as well if you're not tired of hearing my voice um, let's I be don't real. say fuck as much. I don't say fuck as much on that one. Yeah, but let's so. be real. Everyone shows up here for you. I, we've said this before. The, the, like, you are the draw. You keep to saying this. that. Okay. I don't know. We're going to have a Tommy fan club. I don't know about that. But, all, right. all right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Have fun storming the castle. Hi, I'm Kyle. Can We Geek About is a new podcast from Gotham West. Each week, JJ and I will delve into the geekier side of pop culture, from our favorites in science fiction and fantasy, to new releases and even maybe rag on some absolute flops. We promise that even if you don't like what we have to say, you'll like how we say it. But anyway, can we geek about? Did you really need me here for this? I just needed a ride. (sighs) Can we geek about? So give us a listen, subscribe or follow, wherever you get your podcasts.